0: and I'll be your host. And with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette.
1: Hi everyone.
0: Owen, I'm not even going to say likely isn't going to be joining us. He will not be joining us. We are recording this at about eight o'clock, which is Owen's bedtime and we already have him down. So if he wakes up, uh, we'll have to go deal with that. Today we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 17, The Delivery. In this episode, Michael tries to play Cupid, Dwight and Angela make a pact, and it's baby time. This episode's cold open is, it's not too bad, it's one of the better ones uh, in recent times and it also kind of has some foreshadowing for an event later on in this episode so we see Pam making some sales calls and on her end she seems like she's just trying to tie up some loose ends she says that she's getting ready to have a baby she's going to be out of the office for the next couple weeks and is just checking in with all her clients just to make sure they don't have any paper needs or maybe want to order some more now since they won't be able to in the next coming weeks and it seems like This is a very successful sales tactic because Pam seems very surprised at one of the client's answers, like as if they were maybe ordering more than they normally would or something like that. Right. And this is also paying off for Jim, although Jim seems to be using it a little more liberally than Pam is. Jim probably doesn't have quite as many ends to tie up as Pam does. We don't know what Dunder Mifflin's paternity leave policy is. Probably not great. I'm
1: going to guess non-existent.
0: (laughs) Right. And so Jim may be taking, you know, the next couple days off, but he probably has to come back to work much sooner than Pam does. Definitely. But this is not stopping Jim from saying, oh, well, I'm about to have a baby. Uh, And he seems to be having the same success that Pam does.
1: Dwight is very bothered by this sales tactic and says that they must come by their sales honorably and that he's just really bothered by it. And Pam's response is, we're just talking about our life, Dwight. Like, people like that. Sort of telling him that he should try it. Well, Dwight's attempt to talk about his life to his clients is to tell them about his cousin Moe's illness, something related to like goat fever or or something. I'm not remembering the actual name, but it's unpleasant and that's not probably what Pam had in mind. But in a one-on-one with the camera, it sort of makes Dwight realize that there's something missing in his life. And he says he's been waking up cradling a gourd and he would like to have a baby. And the one thing I do really like about this episode is that it was written, in my opinion, very smartly to tie up an end with Jim and Pam, if you will. The baby being born is uh, kind of Tying up that storyline for Jim and Pam. They're starting their family. And in tying up that end, the writers also set out two new storylines revolving around couples and relationships. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth here in a bit.
0: Another smartly written part of this episode that the writers may or may not have done on purpose. I'm going to guess that they didn't is a commentary on the American healthcare system.
1: Yes, that is correct. So the episode pretty early on starts out with Pam having pretty consistent contractions. Pam tells the camera that her contractions are irregular for now, but they're really trying to wait to check in until after midnight because then they get an extra day to recover. Due to, the, due to their HMO plan. Which is very frustrating because that says to me that she would only get two days. One of those days being the day she's actually in labor.
0: This doesn't make any sense whatsoever it, to it me. Doesn't. Like, I don't know what midnight would have to do with it. Like, maybe they're saying like, what, day one would be whenever they get there. I guess. And so they would at least get the full day there, but that's not what they're talking about. They're like, it's, oh, if we, it's like almost like if we save up enough points, we get the, the, a free day added on or something like that.
1: Yeah. And it also doesn't make sense because later on when they are at the hospital, Jim says she's been in labor for 19 hours. So it's not really clear, The timeline, but Pam is very insistent that they cannot leave until midnight. Doesn't matter what's going on; that is her go time. So she continues to work, um, which I guess kudos to her. But she's also a very big distraction to the office. And as her contractions do get closer together and more consistent, she asks the office to help her be distracted from what's going on. Now Jim is not on board with this tactic.
0: Not at all. There is one person who is very much on board with this though, as well as many other aspects of the pregnancy that he does not belong in, and that of course is Michael. Michael has taken it upon himself to fully prepare himself to kind of swoop in whenever the situation gets dire. Michael says he is going to drive them to the hospital. And he has made himself a go bag, which doesn't make any sense for him.
1: Not at all. Michael, if you think to the wedding, Michael's being the same way. Overly involved. Acting like he has a stake in this. Like a huge stake in this. And really to the point of meddling. So he takes on the distraction with gusto. The, 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 it's almost like a talent show sort of thing. Yeah. So Andy starts out, he does the evolution of dance dance, which is actually pretty funny in my opinion because I don't, do you remember that video? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty classic YouTube video. Um, But he can only do it in complete silence, and Pam starts clapping at one point, because it's kind of awkward, everyone sitting in silence, and then he gets upset because he needs complete silence, because he's doing the music in his head, I guess. Aaron recites all the winners of, I I want, probably the Kentucky Derby or something like that? I
0: think it's triple crown winners. Okay. The horse, yeah, horse triple crown winners.
1: Yes. So Aaron recites those. Ryan reads a poem that he wrote? No. I also think it's funny that when Michael called the conference meeting, there were several people that once they heard what the meeting was about, just went ahead and left. So kudos to Oscar and Stanley for deciding they just didn't want to be a part of yeah, that. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, the usual suspects on that. Yeah. And so the theme of... By the way, this episode did air originally in as one long episode however as we watched it on Peacock it is split up into two different episodes and so the first episode if you will the theme of that episode is Pam putting off going to the hospital as long as possible and this is accompanied by Jim doing his best to get his say in But at the same time, respecting Pam's wishes and, you know, giving her the space to make the decision herself because it's her body. She knows what's going on. She can, you know, she's listening to it. Although we know from the very beginning, because it's been said, that Pam isn't doing this because she's, you know, just trying to be tough or wants to spend as little time in the hospital as possible or whatever. No, they're just doing it because they have crappy insurance.
1: And Pam is getting into some dangerous territory a little bit because her contractions are becoming more consistent. They are getting closer together, and she's still refusing to go to the hospital, and Jim is really panicking at a certain point. And the reason she's getting into dangerous territory is because once you are in active labor... Things can move pretty quickly. Now, again, a man wrote these episodes. I'm not saying that he wouldn't know. But what kills me a little bit is that she, once they finally go to the hospital, she's in, like, very active labor. And then somehow it's, like, 19 hours later. But things can stall out. Like, it's not entirely implausible for that to happen. But,
0: you know. And so, as these things are going on in the conference room, Jim is losing it. He is very upset with Pam because she's being stubborn. He is upset with Michael and the rest of the employees because they are feeding into Pam's whims here when they should know better at this point.
1: Yeah, The thing, the point where it really got bothersome for me is so Jim is out in the car. He's just kind of sitting there. He's trying to gather himself. He really wishes Pam would get in the car so they can leave. And then Pam does come out to talk to him. And she says, I'm not going to get in the car because I know you just drive to the hospital. And, And Jim asks her, like, hey, did you change clothes? She's like, oh, yeah, my water broke. That is... Just so implausible from the standpoint of Pam, like that is a real sign that you need to go to the hospital, right? But then, with everybody else in the office just being cool with that, like and not encouraging her at that point, like that is sort of implausible. And I will say a little bit of a preview of the annex is that a lot of people had issues with this episode because of that. They're like, Wait, what? A group of you know ten people are actively encouraging this woman not to go to the hospital and are helping with this when she is clearly in active labor and her water broke. It just didn't. It wasn't necessarily funny to reviewers and I think just the audience, but it was just sort of drawn out. And I think it's one of the situations that has happened with the longer episodes of The Office is that. The 42 minutes of runtime, the 44 minutes of runtime is a little too much.
0: Yeah, I, you know, after watching this episode, and again, like we said, this was cut into two episodes as we watched it. I was like that part of me thinks that could have been one episode, but part of me thinks that it maybe it could. not They they do pack a lot in here. Like you said, they do. They introduce two huge storylines in it and wrap up another one and so Pam again just calmly walks into back into the office and she and Kevin have this thing going on where they've eaten together because Kevin is always hungry and so is Pam
1: I'd like to just point out um (laughs) Again, one of the like pregnancy tropes is always being like hugely pregnant and hungry. And really when you, at least in, for me, when you get to the end, you are not always hungry. You, there is no space left in there. So you might always be hungry, but there's not really space. So eating gets uncomfortable. And then I had horrendous heartburn. Pretty much the whole way, but definitely at the end, to where just anything basically gave me heartburn. So for like a week I it was just like I'm I'm fine with cereal. Like it it's light, it's not going to upset my stomach. And so Pam's not probably not eating these ginormous meals and she's probably not gonna tuck into these ginormous meals as she's like having contractions.
0: To me, this is like a blurring of the pregnancy trope of women having just weird cravings yeah and like that just kind of like the next line of thought is oh well that means they're hungry all the time and that's not the case
1: no i think some people are but again this is just one person's experience here your digestion is just so messed up especially like i said as you get further and if you have a bigger baby multiple babies if you have gestational diabetes anything like that you're just it's sort of unpleasant there um like from you know 32 weeks on
0: and so as pam and kevin are having this meal jim comes into the break area along with michael and is just pleading with pam as the voice of reason here and is saying hey we have to go to the hospital right now and pam just keeps trying to be calm and saying no i don't need to we're fine i'm feeling fine and michael and jim just keep hounding at her until finally pam breaks and says she's afraid She." is afraid to go through this she 's afraid of being a mom essentially, and this is where Jim jumps in. Unfortunately, this is where Michael jumps in, yeah, and really unfortunately, this is where Kevin jumps in, <laughs> just all reassuring her that she 's going to do so well with the labor and delivery, and she 's going to be a great mom
1: Curtis will jump in at different points with our own like personal story here since we just did this uh four and a half months ago Were what were your feelings as we were going to the hospital so we don't i don't have a story similar to pam's i'll just say that i my body just didn't get it basically like didn't know what to do because I was dilated to five centimeters but never really went into active labor on my own at my 40 week appointment I was five centimeters and a hundred percent effaced and was not having consistent contractions I had uh, tested positive for group B strep, which just means I needed some antibiotics. Um, One of the miracles of modern medicine, I will say. And so because of that, they sent us on to the hospital because you have to have a penicillin drip for four hours before you can be induced or go into labor. So I had been advised that at any sign of labor, not any sign, I should say, but if my water broke or I was having... Contractions that were more on the seven, you know, six to seven minutes to get to the hospital so that we could start that drip. None of that, like, was happening. So they just went ahead and sent us on. So we didn't really have the, like, get the bag, rush to the hospital moment. But how were you feeling, like, as we were getting to the hospital and checking in?
0: I guess I was ready. Um, we had been told two weeks before... So, Owen was born on his due date because you were induced the day before, and it just carried over into the early morning of his his due date. Yes. Two weeks before that, we were at a doctor's appointment, and you were to the point to where the doctor was like, you know what? This could be any day.
1: Yeah. I was three centimeters, about 50% of face at 38 weeks.
0: And so we had been living day to day being like, okay, well, this, this could be it. Like I, I called my boss that day because our appointment was in the afternoon and I just worked from home the rest of the day. And so I told him, I was like, Hey, they, this could be any day. So like, I might not be there tomorrow. I might have to leave just randomly in the middle of the day. So, just letting you know now. Sure. And again, it didn't happen for two weeks.
1: Yeah. And I did a lot of walking. I did all the stuff, you know, they tell you to do. And like I said, my body just didn't know what to do, I guess. So, yeah, we were just very ready. We went to a museum to walk around just to go do something.
0: (laughs) And so I guess, I mean, I guess for because of all of that and just how controlled everything was, like we when we were at the doctor's office, he was like, "Okay, I'm going to call him and just let him know you're on your way. And we were like, okay, well, we need to still need to go home, and we need to get our bag and all of our stuff. And he's like, okay, well, I'll let him know, like, in an hour and a half that you guys will be there. And so we we were able to like just take our time yeah. and make sure we have everything. It wasn't the you know stereotypical like you see on TV mad dash. Well, not not that you see on, see on TV. Well, you do see it on TV, but it it certainly in real life, it yeah. certainly happens in real life. Um, mad dash where you know everybody is just running around and you know we roll into you you run into the emergency room in a wheelchair and oh she's having a baby like no it was just a very calm
1: yeah like we I walked in I walked onto the elevator and walked into the maternity ward like under my own power the only thing I wish we'd had done differently i wish i would have eaten maybe
0: yeah
1: but um and then once i got there they wouldn't let me eat and curtis went out and got dinner but like we watched a few good men we hung it because i had to do the four hour penicillin drip like that's that and then at the end of that four hours i was about six but still not having active contractions like i was trying to sleep a little because it was getting to be, you know, after that four hours, it was going to be about 10 o'clock and they broke my water at 1030. So that was like the inducement. Um, and Owen was born at 308 in the morning. Yeah. On, on June 2nd. So that for me, yeah, was not really the case. And there was a time I kept asking about Pitocin, Pitocin. I was like, I do not want Pitocin unless it is like fully necessary. And so thank God, once my water was broken, that my body did sort of take over because I, yeah, I just didn't really want Pitocin happening because I've heard that, can be more painful like contractions are already painful and then adding in this medicine that's like forcing a contraction just makes it worse but sometimes it it can't be helped basically so Pam finally decides she's ready to go to the hospital they go but the problem the problem quote-unquote and they sort of like ramp up the drama for the first half is that Michael says she's like two minutes her contractions are two minutes
0: apart at this point
1: so Dwight decides that he is going to escort them.
0: One one thing real quick. Yeah. This, in my mind, the episode goes way off the rails here because all of a sudden... Agree. Everybody is just the dumbest person in the world. <laughs> like, yeah, Dwight is acting weird all of a sudden. And Michael is... Ramped up his Michaelness to 10 here. And again, is making it about himself and is yes. like, where's oh my God. go bag? And and all this stuff. And even people who normally wouldn't like chime in on this stuff do. Oscar makes a joke about a thesaurus at the hospital. And on the way there, Michael is sending a text. And he's just like I I texted this person and they said what I said what's up and they said what's up, and they said nothing, and then I said nothing and they said nothing and like Pam has to tell him you're texting yourself, and it's just everybody just is dumb.
1: Yeah, and so Dwight is escorting them by using a siren that he has or or I'm sorry, flashing lights that he has and then he gets pulled over the, by the police then there's this weird <laughs> there's this weird side story that happens because Pam says she forgets her ipod and that has the birth song on it so she has Michael called Dwight and to go get her ipod which at this point Is just not happening. And like, you know, this is when we had to carry around our our flip phone and our iPod and everything else instead of it's just all on your phone. So then Dwight goes, but then by the end of, by, you know, midpoint of the episode, he says that he didn't find the iPod, but he found mold. And then he takes this weird turn at Jim and Pam's house and... Remodels the kitchen. Basically, it's very bizarre.
0: It is, yeah. It's it's an unnecessary. As far as I can remember, this is, is this unnecessary because the only reason that they send Dwight to, in terms of plot, the only reason they send Dwight to Jim and Pam's is because Isabel shows up there later.
1: Yes, I was just going to say that it is purely. Just for that purpose.
0: But I feel like they don't do a whole lot beyond this and one or two other instances that I can remember of Dwight and Isabel being a thing.
1: Well, it throws a wrench in the Dwight and Angela.
0: I know that. Okay. But only, like, Very short-lived. Kids, like, yeah. It, like, in fact, I know the episode that the episode one of the episodes I'm thinking of where date Mike is that comes up in like two or three episodes. Right. And so they they need they need Dwight to be there, but they they don't really.
1: Yeah, I think I think because I don't know why. I guess they think maybe it would have been implausible for Dwight to go to the hospital or continue to care, but then how would he have met Isabel? Like, so, so yeah, Dwight's hanging out there. Jim and Pam have made it to the hospital. They've checked in. Michael is, again, thinking that he's a part of this. And so he. He was driving Jim's car. He parks the car where the ambulance pulled, where it's just the emergency area. Gets told, hey, you can't park there. And just throws the keys, like, oh, into the bushes. And then marches in thinking that he's going to be in the room, basically. And so then he plops down and sits in the waiting room with a specially made t-shirt. So then, part two for this storyline picks up where Michael's kind of sick of waiting. We get a check-in with Jim. It's been 19 hours. Jim's getting ice chips because he might have passed out. So this is where I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird. She was she was having her contractions be that close together, but labor can stall out. Like things can take a really long time, and I like we just discussed really lucky so I was in labor for like you know five hours top space or active labor for five hours so I didn't do an epidural I did uh, nitrous oxide which I would recommend if that's if anyone out there is like thinking about it or has access to it but there were several points in that five hours especially as I was getting towards the end where I'm like What am I doing? Modern medicine exists. Like, what is wrong with you? So, I don't think I could have done that for 19 hours. And I did a lot of like labor prep as far as Mm -hmm. visualization, meditation, breathing, things like that. Like, I felt like I really did draw on that preparation but it was also a lot and I will say and we'll touch on this you know as we get further I will say I was all pained out like I because I had level three tears so I had a lot of stitching going on so then by the time like Owen was actually there I was had reached my pain threshold
0: see I remember this differently okay Uh, which very
1: well could be more correct
0: in terms of like when when I heard you, when you just said, like, I was all pained out, I was like, yeah, I get it, but not in the way that you just said because by the end of the labor, you were fine. Like, you... Right. You, like, when you I were hit pushing... A, I hit a rhythm. Yeah, you were fine. Like, you I, you would push, and then I would give you the nitrous oxide in between pushes and in between contractions, and then it got to a certain point to where, like, you were pushing and then you were fine after the pushing and after the contractions.
1: It was for me. And I think I said this to Curtis several times. It was the stitches. It was getting stitched up. Yeah. That was worse than the pushing.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: And I thought I had the stitching going on longer than I pushed. I asked Curtis that once we got into, into our room, into the recovery room where I'm like, stitching took much longer than pushing right and he's like no and i'm like it felt like i I, i'm like was this woman this this doctor was she new to stitching it was god awful because at one point i had to have someone take owen because i needed more nitrous oxide for the damn stitches
0: i yeah i feel like there's probably no uh good way to do that that's gonna be not painful so yes um So anyway, back to the episode. This is also where we see peak Michael in this episode. Yeah. He shows up to the hospital. He has clearly gone to the gift shop. He has like 12 balloons. And he is getting ready to walk through. And he's he's committed to just going into the room and, you know, giving it giving them the balloons he goes right through the double doors that lead back to the delivery area and has the nerve to turn to the camera crew and say family only past this point sorry and then he just opens the door to the delivery room and pam we can hear pam just screaming because she's pushing and michael like just stops dead in the door and like just walks out disgusted And you would think that would just cause some reluctance to do that again and to go back there, but he does it again later on in the episode because Pam has continued the labor at this point. Everybody from the office has now shown up to the waiting room and is just kind of like...
1: This hospital has no policies. Right.
0: And it's like, okay, well, how long, you know, how long has they been in there? How, how much longer is it going to be? And so Michael takes it upon himself to go back to the room and just knock on the door and just like, hey, uh, can we get an ETA on this? You're really losing them. And it is at this moment that we hear the cries and Pam and Jim talking to each other about how beautiful the baby is. And so baby Cece has arrived.
1: Yes. And so Jim goes out to the waiting room and and tells them, which, oh my gosh, the fact of so many people waiting, (laughs) just hanging out, like, stresses me out just thinking about it right now. So the baby's name is Cecilia Marie. And... I meant to say this earlier on. Curtis was a very, very good labor coach. I don't know if Jim was in the same vein there. Because at one point, he tries to leave again. Michael, again, really takes away from some things because he forces his way in. And, of course, Pam's mom is there. Now, it's the only other family member that we see until Isabel, but... Michael makes it awkward with Helene, and then Helene decides to go. And somehow, like, Michael, yeah, gets to be right in there. Pam doesn't need any recovery. And Michael gets to hold Cece.
0: Once the other office members leave, we get to see Jim and Pam kind of dealing with the hardships of those first few hours of parenthood. And these are things that, in my mind, you and I can very much relate to seeing as we just went through it.
1: Yes. So at our hospital, there's the labor and delivery ward and then there's the recovery ward. So you move through those like once you're you know, recovered, once the baby's good. So that does not appear to be the case for Jim and Pam as what I'm saying here. So, one of the things that CC is struggling with and that Pam is struggling with is latching and breastfeeding, which is pretty common early on. I think there's this, uh, I feel like the La Leche League has done a really good PR campaign, and the recent, you know, how it always kind of goes back and forth or it has really gone towards more breastfeeding to where this is natural, it is the easiest thing in the world, the baby knows what to do, it'll be no problem. Everyone should do it. Well, it's not always the case. And there are often a lot of babies that have to learn how to latch, have to learn how to suck. And when I say it was all pained out, one of the things that I think of is like the early sessions of trying to nurse Owen were very painful because the baby's hungry from labor and delivery as well. They're tired from being born and they, Owen was just like power sucking and it was so painful and very, very difficult because your milk hasn't really fully come in they're getting that early colostrum, so there's not really a flow of milk, but they're trying to, you know, suck like there is, and it can be very painful, and some babies seem to do it, you know, super easily, but it also can be very disconcerting and frustrating because you're like, oh my God, are they getting fed? Are they getting, you know, they're also getting hydration from that. It it can be very stressful, so Pam is feeling the stress of this, She has a lactation consultant come in to help her, and that lactation consultant is male, much to Jim's chagrin. And I will say, I have never encountered or heard of a male lactation consultant. I'm sure they exist. But I I would guess there's not many.
0: The nurse that is helping out Jim and Pam...
1: Is a real bee.
0: uh, Sure, For the sake of the the show, yes. But she has offered to Jim and Pam that they can take the baby to the nursery just because the first night for parents is kind of a lot. They're tired. The baby's tired. Everybody's super tired. And so some parents just find it helpful to get that first night of sleep in before taking on the rest of the you know, this baby's eighteen years. And both Jim and Pam are like, No, we're good. We're good. We can handle it. We don't want like and and I this is how we felt too like
1: did we get offered that?
0: I don't know if we got offered that as much as like maybe they did. I I know it's a thing. Like I know it's a you thing you absolutely yeah. can. But like you've been waiting so long for this. It's just like no, I, I'm I'm good having this child with me immediately now it's fine like
1: yeah you need that at three months old
0: (laughs) yeah and so they say no we're good and then the next scene we see is them struggling to swaddle cc which yep been there
1: so one thing and i don't want to be like well we've done it so you should listen to us because we don't know what we're talking about but we did have a feeling early on I, I figured Owen would be into swaddling and he was and so we should have brought a velcro swaddle with us because those hospital swaddle blankets um, are just awful. They're not very helpful. They're very difficult to actually get fully tucked unless you're one of the nurses who did it just fine. And we had practice swaddling, felt I felt somewhat confident in swaddling with just a blanket
0: Here's the thing. It's seemingly not difficult. It's it's actually super easy to visualize what needs to happen. It's just in practice, we could never do it. I did it. Yeah, I mean, we here and there, but like, just never as securely as yeah. the nurses could.
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt like I got pretty good at it. In, you know the first month of Owen's life but it would have been helpful for the nighttime at the hospital to have one of those swaddles and to have brought a shirt <laughs> I didn't have any other baby clothes because I had read they don't bring baby clothes they'll be fine they'll be in and out but it would have been helpful for him just to have like a little onesie on Because he kept bringing it out of that swaddle. So I felt like he was just like loosely wrapped in the swaddle, like at all times.
0: One thing I want to point out here, there's a weird timeline issue that I have right in this area. Because we see the scene where the nurse says, hey, we can take the baby to the nursery for the first night it quick cuts to Jim and Pam struggling to swaddle the baby. And then the very next thing we see is people in the office. And so it's like these things are happening at the same time. Granted, yeah, it could be the next day at the office, but like it makes it seem like these are happening at the same time.
1: Yeah. That's a really good point.
0: Anyway. So, Like we said, lactation consultant comes in, helps Pam out, they get CC started, and things still just aren't going well because, and this is something that one of the nurses at the hospital said to us that really kind of like make things very clear for me, and it's just a very good way to put this, is like, you have no reason to be good at this immediately. Yeah. Like this isn't some skill you've been honing your entire life and now here's the time to use it. No. This is literally the first time you ever had any reason to do this.
1: And I think that's where I got frustrated at the portrayal that you hear in the media and like I said that's pushed by people like La Leche League. It's yes it is natural because it's coming from your body but it is very difficult and it can be very painful and it's very tiring and it doesn't always work out for people and I think there was I literally had this thought that like oh I'm not gonna have to really worry about that like it's just gonna happen and not really like and also I would have brought my breastfeeding pillow with me to the hospital because that was also a lot of the struggle was like the stupid hospital pillows were not very supportive
0: if you've ever been to a hospital you know those <laughs> yeah. things may as well not exist
1: and so i you know it was like even when the lactation consultant came in she was like rolling up a couple and you know it was like using five different pillows so it was just um it was just a lot for that and so that was a, a sort of an eye-opening thing as well of like oh it's just not as simple as just like bringing the baby up to your breast just like, plopping them on there yeah and, and going it, it really wasn't and so we'd even done a breastfeeding class like I think that um there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of good support for that, unfortunately, even from the lactation consultants. It only goes so far. And I found a real hole in support. And that's just women's healthcare in general, unfortunately. <laughs> like, there's just a real black hole for it a lot of times. And so, you know, Pam's just really feeling defeated at a certain point. They get they have to room share because the hospital's so busy and we're supposed to look at it as a contrast between Jim and Pam and this other woman Kathy and her husband and Kathy seems pretty zen and like calm and maybe it's Kathy's first child maybe it's not but their baby doesn't appear as fussy and it's my guess is it's supposed to be this contrast so in the middle of the night I don't know if it's the middle of the night or not, because Isabel comes in, so it seems like it could be the middle of the night, but I guess it's not. Anyways, a baby makes a noise and Jim and Pam are sleeping and Pam's just like, Jim, Jim, get the baby, and they're not really paying attention and they just grab a baby. Well, Pam nurses the baby and is like, oh my gosh, the baby latched. like and that's, what I'm, that's also what I'm saying. Ba- different babies have different abilities to nurse. So then Isabel comes in to visit, which here's another thing. Um, we did not, we were not allowed visitors because of COVID. And it was actually really nice because, you, be, because you're nursing like so often. And then you do want to rest or maybe the baby's restless or needs a diaper change. like. It was really nice to not have to sort of feel that or like feel text about when to come or something and to just see visitors at home. Anyways, Isabel comes to visit and was like, oh my God. And then Pam finally looks down and realizes it's not their baby, which I don't know. I thought that I always thought that was like a really weird storyline. I'm not saying that she should have figured out anything. It was just a weird thing to throw in there
0: yeah uh i find it very odd that the other parents were able to just to sleep through this baby crying yeah even though they're in the same room it that yeah that was again just plot convenience
1: very much so and so by the end of the hospital visit jim and pam are pretty fat frazzled and jim keeps saying to the nurse like well we can stay here till three we can stay here till three at a certain point, I felt like I just really wanted to go home. It was not, those hospital beds are not comfortable. I mean, poor Curtis had to sleep on a couch that was made for someone like half his size.
0: Sleep is a generous word yeah. for that. I think in the three days that we were there, I slept probably a total of like two hours.
1: Yeah, it. you're just never going to Get and and that's really unfortunate because you do think oh we'll be able to rest we're surrounded by like the nurses you you don't really and that is unfortunate because you need that rest and sleep for going home but it just it it doesn't happen in the hospital
0: and especially in our case because like you said Owen was born at three oh eight in the morning and so all the wellness checks happen at that time essentially and so we would get woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning every single day
1: yeah because you have to do like 24 hour 48 hour checks and jaundice checks and everything like that so yeah they were and the nurses were on it they were coming in but yeah and they they're super helpful they have like a little light (laughs) that they wear around their neck Um, but yeah you're still getting woken up several times and you know, the baby obviously has to, their, their stomach is the size of like a strawberry when they're first born. So they're eating like very frequently. I will say like, we're making this sound terrible, but we did have a really nice like first night because our hospital lets you pick out like a celebratory meal. Um, and it was nice. And we like watched some West Wing episodes and hung out and Owen generally did pretty well in the evening like he didn't he did pretty well in the bassinet while we would have dinner um, when we were in the hospital
0: and so like you said yeah they are still trying to like bleed this out as much as they can because they've seen kind of like what you said that contrast of these other parents just it seems like it's a breeze and even in the hospital with all this help they are like you said very frazzled and so even, like up, even up to like the minute they're getting ready to leave, as they're getting everything together, the nurse is like, oh, there's, do you have the car seat? And they're like, yeah, it's over there. And the nurse is like, well, the base has to be in there. Like it doesn't, it's, it's no good if, if this is just sitting here. And as they're wheeled out, this isn't necessarily their fault, but as they're wheeled out uh, to leave, the the nurse who is wheeling pam out is like well the dad usually brings the car around and he's like okay well i'll I'll go do that and he still has the car seat in his arms he's gonna have to go and put the car seat in before coming around to get pam and so pam is just hanging out on a bench by herself (laughs) while jim's going to get the car and cc starts fussing and so She tries to feed her, and CeCe finally latches without much resistance. And so it is kind of this moment of, okay, we can do this. Up until this moment, we've seen so much stress and anxiety and trepidation on the part of Jim and Pam because of Pam being afraid of labor and delivery and just getting through those first few hours of parenthood and just having all these things get thrown at you and then it's just this moment of peace of okay we can do this
1: yeah it's a good confidence booster and it is hard i don't think anyone goes into it and even in our case we very much wanted to be doing this had had a lot of difficulty getting to that point we're really looking forward to just oh and actually being here and there was such joy and relief like in the hospital for us and we're such joy and relief coming home and it is hard those first couple weeks are hard and a lot of it just people always say this it just boils down to sleep deprivation because you're just like not at your best when you're constantly tired and so the things that were easily dealt with or more easily dealt with you know sort of when you're not keeping a newborn baby alive become somewhat insurmountable at certain at certain times
0: and we see a prime example of this The minute that Jim and Pam get home because they enter to Dwight and a crew of guys and a wrecked kitchen because Dwight has taken it upon himself to redo their entire kitchen essentially and neither of them say a word to Dwight they are just too tired to deal with that at the moment and so they just shake their heads and keep walking. Meanwhile, back at the office, Michael is really reveling in the moment of Jim and Pam having a child and building this family that he feels personally responsible for.
1: Yeah, we've seen this from Michael before regarding Jim and Pam. He keeps repeating that he's responsible for a family, he created a family. Jim and Pam met right here, and I had everything to do with it, even though that's not really accurate.
0: And the way that he like describes this is very funny because he's just like musing out loud to the office in general. And it's just like, Pam was just a secretary, and she sat right over here. And pa- Jim was a salesman, and he just sat right over here. The odds of them getting together were insurmountable. And it's just like, there are two people that work in the same office and literally were worked 20 feet from each other. That's not insurmountable. Ah, it's. Yeah. It's, it's just Michael being dramatic.
1: And he fancies himself to be this matchmaker and sets his sights on other people in the office. He suggests that Andy and Meredith get together. And basically he's just. Pointing, it's kind of like we talked about in the Christmas episode with Pam trying to set Oscar up with Matt, the guy that worked in the warehouse. Michael just asks everyone who's single to raise their hands and then just points at two people to be together, basically. Also, what's funny in this scene is that Kelly says that she has a man and holds on tight to Ryan as he's like raising his hand very high for being single.
0: Michael's first foray into Office Matchmaker involves Kevin and Aaron. And Michael has Kevin in his office and calls Aaron in and is like, here's your date. It's Kevin. And Aaron very much tries to back away from this and speaks to Michael in private and says that she likes Andy. And this is I think between the two people, between Andy and Aaron, this is the first time that we are seeing one of them say out loud, like not to the camera, that they are into the other person. And so Michael is like, well, can you still just have lunch with Kevin? It doesn't have to go anywhere. Also, I promised him that you would do it.
1: He really guilts Aaron into this and I don't like that he's forcing her to do this and he makes up a lie about Kevin having an elephant heart and you know Aaron not being nice to him could cause Kevin to die which is just terrible like Aaron's not responsible for how Kevin feels or managing Kevin's feelings So they have this incredibly awkward lunch and Kevin is not a conversationalist. We've seen this last season with the Lonely Hearts party when he's trying to talk to Lynn. He just cannot do it. And Erin tries her best and she's not really a conversationalist either. But Andy gets incredibly jealous here and he hides behind a, a plant to like see how it's going. He's very worried about them hitting it off. And you could see Aaron's trepidation, you know, throughout this. And she's really struggling here and is kind of, like I said, trying her best. Erin tries to let Kevin down gently after this failed lunch, but Kevin's not really getting it.
0: Yeah, Erin uses the word friends, friendship, literally in every single sentence that she says. And it takes Michael coming over to really get it through to Kevin that Aaron's not interested and Michael does this by absolutely destroying Kevin and is super mean he's overly mean and just says like why would you think that somebody that looks like Aaron would be with somebody who looks like you and so after all of michael just putting kevin down kevin just kind of like sulks away and michael then blames it on aaron for breaking kevin's heart essentially
1: andy decides that he's actually going to ask aaron out after this whole debacle book devises a very silly plan He is going to ask Erin out via fax by having Erin send a fax to herself, basically, asking will she have dinner with Andy. But the problem is, (laughs) Andy put Dunder Mifflin's fax number as the sending number and it's busy. It ties with the phone line, like you cannot send a fax to yourself, basically. And Aaron says, well, let me try again, and I'll just bring you the confirmation page. And Andy, trying to make a joke, says, no, you're fired if you can't send that fax. And that really is just the straw that breaks the camel's back for Aaron. And she starts crying because she's had a really hard day and says that you can't talk to me like that. And Andy then has to backtrack, saying, no, 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 I'm just trying to ask you out. And it's a very awkward they're just an awkward couple it's very awkward she's like oh let me check my planner it looks like all the days are open and then he's like okay well what day and it just they just decide it seems like on a Thursday well then Michael's watching from his office and deciding that he's responsible for that Yeah. since he did a failed setup for Aaron and that prompted Andy to ask her out really roundabout way here but Michael decides to take the credit so in this way, like I said, we have one bow being tied up with the birth of Jim and Pam's baby. And so then we're seeing Aaron and Andy like, actually taking off. Like, the, the, this storyline is getting some, some more legs, finally.
0: And the other storyline that will come from this episode is the renewed relationship of Dwight and Angela. As we said before in the cold open... Dwight has had some feelings that something is missing in his life. And kind of being a part of, as tangentially as it is, being a part of Jim and Pam's birth has kind of stoked that even further in Dwight. And so he proposes to Angela that she have his child. And it would not be a Dwight and Angela thing if it wasn't super weird. They draw up a contract about the specifics of how the child will be raised, how the child will be born, uh, the, what the sex of the child will be at birth. And so we see this start and this is, this is something that will continue basically through the remainder of the series.
1: Yes, that's correct. And you're sort of missing talking about the very awkward way in which Dwight proposes this. It's in the break room. Angela seems to be you know eating lunch. She's facing one way. Dwight's facing the vending machines, and he says, I would like to have a child for business reasons. I would like you to be the mother of that child. If you agree, say nothing. If you don't agree, say anything. And Angela agrees, and so... Dwight asks her to meet him in the usual spot, but he's there to create a contractual obligation to conceive a child. And they really, like, hammer out a lot of details, including potential names. Yes, just as Curtis mentioned, all this stuff. Now, as we alluded to, Isabel coming over to Jim and Pam's house while Dwight is there tearing up the kitchen – does give Dwight some pause and will throw a wrinkle into this contract the contract is executed but next season a great deal of the angst between Angela and Dwight will be centered on whether they're going to fulfill the terms of this contract and that continues on into like season seven basically and like Curtis says it does carry us out but we now are getting some more intermingling of Dwight and Angela. Whereas if you think back to season four, like things were humming along and Dwight killed Angela's cat.
0: Yeah. So that pretty much wraps up all the goings on in this episode. Let's go to the annex with Antonette to find out any fun facts about the episode.
1: So as I said earlier, this episode did get some poor reviews Just because of the implausibility of Pam's water breaking and people being cool just continuing to distract her. For some people, it just really wasn't funny and was very, very unreasonable and crazy. But the rest of the episode did well. And I think there was one that I saw that it was just like, maybe this should have just been one episode instead of a supersized episode. This was actually the last episode of the series that got over 9 million viewers. Viewership did decline from this point. Which is kind of surprising because I would have thought Goodbye Michael would have pulled in uh, quite a bit, but it didn't. The Lactation Consultant uh, was actually played by Jenna Fisher's husband in real life, Lee Kirk. Cecilia Marie, which is the name of Jim and Pam's baby, is actually the name of Jenna Fisher's niece. Her niece was born a week before filming of the episode began, and Jenna asked the writers if that's what the baby could be named, and they agreed. This episode also marks the introduction of the Scranton Strangler, which will be a minor plot point that does go to the end of the series as well. Curtis do you think we had any firings in these episodes
0: I don't think so Uh, the most egregious thing we see is maybe Kevin and Pam get like a talking to because they are taking these seemingly like full meal breaks multiple times a day yeah uh, because they're both super hungry (laughs) Uh, what is your dundee for this episode
1: my Dundee Award is Make Yourself at Home and it goes to Dwight who decided that after finding the mold in the kitchen that he said he read a book, took a bath and got a full night's sleep in the nude in Jim and Pam's bed and he also made a mental note to ask Jim where he got his fabulous sheets and I think it's really funny that he puts the picture of Jim and Pam Like face down as he's sleeping in their bed just so he doesn't have to think about the fact that it's their bed, I guess. What is your Dundee Award?
0: World's Worst Hospital goes to the hospital that Jim and Pam go to because for a multitude of reasons that they just let seemingly whomever walk right in and go into delivery rooms. Uh, Also they have Brand new parents sharing rooms—I I can't even imagine that. Even if their hospital was very full, and like the labor and delivery ward was very full, that they would allow people to share rooms.
1: And I know they're not going to do this on a TV show, but there, in real life, there is a huge concern and concerted effort to make sure that it's the right baby. <laughs> Uh, baby and mom have matching bracelets and every time baby comes in and out the bracelets are scanned to make sure that they match and baby snatching is taken like very seriously and there are bracelets Curtis even had to have a bracelet on and there's like um, like Owen had I don't know how to describe it it's almost like an ankle monitor basically on that matched mine. And he couldn't go outside the maternity ward without me basically.
0: When I used to work at a hospital, it was, I think probably monthly they would do code pink drills and they would, they wouldn't tell people like it wasn't like a fire drill where they're like, okay, Hey, at this date on this time, they they never do fire drills in a hospital, but right. like if you when you work at an office they're like, Okay, this date, this time, there's gonna be a fire drill. When the fire alarm goes off, make sure everybody leaves. It's like, no, they wouldn't tell you that whether or not this was a drill or when it was going to happen or anything. It would just all of a sudden you would hear the alarm and you everybody like basically Everybody goes out, and they're watching hallways. They're watching stairwells. They're watching doorways to see, like, to find the person that is taking the baby, essentially.
1: Oh, that's so, it's so scary because, obviously, this has happened. Yep. And that's why they have these systems in place, which is just, like, terrifying.
0: And I think it... I, I could be making this part up, but I don't think I am. Like, they... They have somebody fake take a baby. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Not like, obviously not an actual baby, but like a a blanket. So, like, somebody, like... You, they can some, be found. So, well, not just that, but, like, just to, like, you know, make sure everything's on the up and up. Like, somebody would actually stop somebody right, if right. this actually happened. Like, somebody wouldn't just be like, hmm, that's kind of weird. Like, no, they they would have to stop this person and be like, "Hey, what are you carrying?"
1: Oh, yeah. That is terrifying cuz and you have to think that the baby snatching is happening in not great circumstances like anyways or you know adoptions that have fallen through, things like that unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just the fact that they have to do that is is unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Who is your employee of the month?
1: I chose Pam for all the obvious reasons of this episode. What about you?
0: This is very funny. I have two. The first one is Kevin because he is making seemingly very delicious meals. He said he worked his way through the Julia Child cookbook. and now, pretty intensive. Yeah, and now he is on a different one. Twilight. The Twilight cookbook, <laughs> yes. Just a very weird... Uh, <laughs> Two ends of the spectrum there. But the funny part is, I chose Jim, because, but not for the obvious reasons, but because he is the voice of reason in this entire thing and trying to, like, talk sense into his crazy wife.
1: No, you're right. I mean, yes, he was the only one actually
0: following protocol here. And I, like, in watching this episode, I couldn't help but think like what 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 roles would we play in this situation i could see you being pam
1: in what way
0: i don't know (laughs) i i don't like you just having this thought in your head of nope no we can't we we have to we can't go to the hospital until this certain point happens And if all signs were pointing to, no, we should really get going now, I feel like you still would be like, no, 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 like, we can't because this thing hasn't happened yet.
1: I feel like we didn't have that luxury. Well,
0: no, no, I'm not talking about our personal birth story. I'm just saying in this specific situation.
1: Sure. Yeah, I guess you're right.
0: So that does it for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to keep listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.